Honest, I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use again. Shame on you. This is Sports 360. Hello, everybody, once again. Thanks for joining us on Sports 360 Podcast. We're back for another week and another week, another set of topics to kind of uh, lighten up your day, enjoy the details that we bring, and just generally a fist on our deep inside of sports, even if I say so myself, with all humility. Um, Yemi Adesoya is here, and Bodhi Ogutui is here. Uh, two, as well, quote-unquote, is here with us, still in the United States, and joining us. You know, we had a lady last week. We have yep. another lady this week. Back to back. The ladies are winning. Joining us is our colleague and friend, well, I call you Fatil. That's what I like, because I just like the name. It's very unique. Fatil. Okay, tell us about, tell us your full name. Oh, okay. Um, it's, I'm very, very glad to be here. It's a pleasure and I've been listening. Um, it's actually very good that I'm here. And yeah, my name is Latifat Ohiosumwa. Used to be Adebayo. Okay. But the Fatil came from Latifat. Latifat. Okay. It's a long story. I, 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 don't tell us. I just love the name. I just love to call you Fatil. All right. Good to have you here. Uh, Fatil is here because uh, our first topic has to do with the sports well two sports in one that she loves and which in recent times has been producing a horde of youngsters teenagers actually who are taking the world of tennis by storm um, let's start with table tennis before we go to the more regular tennis yeah, and uh, a certain 13 year old Egyptian girl Hannah Goda who stunned the world in the last few weeks. Tell us about that. Wow, it was remarkable. And I'm so um, opportune to have experienced that in um, Cameroon. Yeah. That was when um, the 2021 African Championship okay. uh, um, took place and Nigeria were, were there. Um, Hannah Goda, she's not exactly new in mm. the scene. She started when she was six years old. Wow. And there was one viral video of her when she, she was around maybe seven or eight years old. She was so short, she couldn't reach the top of the table. <laughs> table yeah. So most of I our coaches, that, yeah. most of our coaches will have to reduce the length of the, the table, height. the height rather, so that she can at, at, at least, least play table tennis. <laughs> and that was how she started. And from then on, she became a junior champion in Egypt and around the Arabian uh, scene. Mm. And um, Al Ali, they scooped her up. Yeah. They have a club uh, for table tennis as well over there in Egypt. And she has been playing there for years. And they've nurtured her to the level whereby she's actually unplayable. Mm. She's currently the national champion in Egypt mm-hmm. in the women's scene. And she's she won that when she was just 12 years old. Wow. And she defeated a former champion, Abdullah uh, Aziz Farah. Uh, she, Abdullah Aziz Farah is like, she's a... Uh, a legend. Uh, a, she, yeah, let's call her a legend. In, in, in our country. In, yeah, in our least. country. She has won everything, maybe except for the women's singles where she has not been so fruitful in there, but she has always won something there in Egypt. And Hannah Goda defeated her. And it wasn't like she had a very easy path in mm. becoming the national mm. champion. The, t- the tournament was laced with 
experienced older yeah. player. I and remember she, it was our own Funke Oshonaike that drew my attention to her. It was our group that we belong to. Yes. And Funke talked about her. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I think that is a FUBS. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, Hannah Goda from then on, um, last year, um, after she won the national title, uh, it took the sports minister in Egypt to pick her up and um, add her into the national team, the senior mm-hmm. national team that mm-hmm. is. And he said that she must go to to the Olympics yeah. with the team. Just like maybe, because in table tennis, you have to, they, they give uh, like a wild card. Okay. You okay. may not play, but at least mm-hmm. just go there for, for the experience. experience. Okay. And they wanted, to take, they wanted to take someone else. Mm. But they were like, no, she's a national champion and she, she like, she, de- she deserves to be there. Mm. And she went okay. with the national team to the Olympics in Tokyo just a couple of months okay. back. Talking about catching them young, and you're talking about table tennis now. Um, buddy, table tennis is one sport that when we were growing up, I don't want to talk about your generation. When we were growing up, <laughs> it was a, it was a go-to sport. It was the easiest sport. This table here, you can stand on all the side, put a stick in the middle and you play and all of that. And you would expect that. Um, is a sport where you really don't need to have all the money in the world to play just like football. You know, we used to call it egg. The mm, boys yeah. used to call it egg. Mm-hmm. And also, buddy, why do you think that it, it seems that we're not producing youngsters in this sports as much as we sh- ordinarily should? Um, the first thing is, is I, I, I want to ask you a funny question. Mm. Um, when was the last time? When, when, when was the last time you saw a bank? A what? Regular bank. Regular. The last time you saw a bank. Oh, regular bank. bench. No, okay, there. The benches are regular table yeah. too. Those yeah. long benches. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Those those narrow benches. Yeah. That's what we, we could set where you so hold your skills. Put two cans of milk mm. at, at the edges. Two cans of milk and put a broom over it. Yes. And you have a table. The, the, the fact is that a, a, a lot of the things that we took for granted in those days mm. they are the things that are contributing to a lot of the challenges challenges, challenges we are having a, now. That's a very um, good point. Uh, it's it, 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 you could play table tennis anywhere. In fact, most of us you carry one or two around. One one would be probably dented. You just put yes. a light to it, <laughs> and, you you... and there you go. So we were creative. It was fun. It was there. But now, and I think some of us parents have to take responsibility for this. We look at children, we look at children up. We don't allow them to go out and experience, experience these things. Yeah. Although we, we, we say that the, the fear is real because of every, every all the things that, that, mm. that, that are mm. happening now. Yeah. But the social interactions that we had, we have to create the fun and the games. And those funs and games develop our things in us that led to this situation that you, that you just described. So, Unless we deliberately, like we, we keep saying, unless we de- deliberately start youth uh, initiatives at community centers, to where, where, yeah. where our children can go and we can set up these things, make them flow into it. That is the major challenge. The social mm-hmm. interactions are just not there anymore. Okay, uh, but this made a very good point. Um, the way we used to play table tennis and the modernity, so to speak, <laughs> has removed all these things, and then. The dangers of the new society means that you cocoon your children. You're afraid for them to go out because there's mm-hmm. so many things out there that you're afraid of, which are ordinarily as parents, you need to worry about. Um, Yemi, what Fatil has um, told, told us is about catching them young. You work with young children in your little academy. I'm doing promotion for you now. <laughs> you have to pay. Send and the invoice. How... 
do we need to do more of this? Engaging oh. young people to be able to produce like the 13 year olds and they will talk about them in the 18 or 19 year old world beaters in tennis. I think it's because first of all, we've become, we've gone impatient. Okay. Over, over we don't want years. to go the long haul. We don't want to go the long haul. Yeah. We're looking for the quick fixes nowadays. Um, you spoke about your time. I remember very well that the first person that one of the first people to teach me table tennis was actually at Tonamusa. Oh, um, really? Um, I had an aunt who used to live with us, Auntie Cecilia. She mm. was, she used to play for the national team as well. She used to take me to the national stadium. You know, when you enter the national stadium on the left, is the table tennis home. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I first started playing table tennis. And I thought, that was one of the first people that, you know. And then you see a lot of young boys and girls coming to that place to come and learn how to play table tennis. And then there were different competitions. At different ages, primary school, yeah. secondary school. I think one of the things we have more or less abandoned that scene. Mm, mm, and mm. that's why Funko Schneider has played for as long as she's played. Mm. That's why Shego Toriola has played for as long as she's played. Because there are no guys coming, coming up to knock them off their respective perches. So mm. we've grown impatient. And it's not just Timitans, it's every sport. Mm. We've got a patient that even when you find truly a, young, da- a diamond in the rough, we still find we a still way to, to downplay it. Yeah, he's too young. He's too young. But there's a saying that says if you're you old enough, you're yeah, good, you good enough. You're good enough. You're old enough. You know? But here, somehow, we've just more or less pushed you know, that in the back mm. burner for instant yeah, reward. Truth be told, though, I think we're, we're producing some young young stars in table tennis. There's a lately. young boy coming up lately and all of that. But um, before I run out of time, let, let, let's go to tennis. Okay. Regular tennis. And uh, it looks like the teenagers are coming. Um, for till, um, in the last, well, in 2017, French Open General Stopenko was 20 years and uh, two days when she beat Serena Williams to win that title. Naomi Osaka 2018 US Open was 20 years, 327 days. But since then, we've had three teenagers win Grand Slams. Bianca Adrescu, US Open in 2019. She was 19 years and 83 days. 2020 French Open, Iga Swiatek, 19 years and 132 days. And of course, of recent memory, the teenage final at the US Open, Imara Dukanu, 18 years and 302 days, defeating Leila Fernandez, 19 years, to become the uh, U.S. Open singles um, champion for women. You know, what's happening? Why are this? I know in the past we've had 17-year-old Serena won as a 17-year-old um, was Anish Sharapova won as a 17-year-old but of recent it looks like these teenagers have rebounded and they are making a huge play especially this last U.S. Open final was such a beauty to watch. Yeah, I think the, the U.S. Open the 2021 U.S. Open mm. has been the most ex- exciting one yeah. in the past perhaps maybe 10 years in the decade yeah. because yeah. right from the outset it has been um, a very good showing for tennis particularly yeah. and in fact the numbers grew because of this These uh, particular teenagers, year yeah. um, many people watched the singles final the women's singles final more than the men's the singles men's, final which and is it, a rarity yeah and it is because of these two young ladies Emma Raducano and Leila Fernandez uh, like you said, uh, Emma Raducano is um, she. She brought out 
a story that you know that is so gripping. It's a fantastic story because she hasn't even played so much on tour. Imagine mm. playing in your second WTA tour and mm. you you win it. The a first one slam. she played a Grand Slam for that matter. The first one she played was the one at uh, Wimbledon, Wimbledon yeah. and she got to the fourth round. She had to withdraw from that match because she said she wasn't breathing well. She okay. was having some sort of panic, panic attack and all that. And she got to the fourth round there. That, so yeah. definitely there, there was something that she was doing great. And because of what she had, you know, she just had to leave the scene for a couple of uh, weeks. And then she came back. She worked with a psychologist to help her manage such and she event. was a qualifier. She had to yeah. go to three rounds she of played, qualifying. She played uh, as many as 11 matches. Because for you to win a Grand Slam, you have to play seven. If you come from the qualifiers, mm. you play four, three qualifying matches. And, she, match didn't drop and a set. She, she didn't drop a set. 18-year-old mm. Emma Radicano started winning when she was just nine years old. She became the British uh, junior champion. And she got a scholarship to be at the LTA. That is um, um the tennis association, like... It's just an association right there in uh, the UK for young tennis uh, talents. And she got a uh, a pro scholarship, which has helped her. And this is the biggest so far that we've seen. We, I just hope that she can continue. So far since um, Serena Williams, before she gave birth, that was in 2017, Australian Open. Since Serena Williams won that last title, Mm. Uh, Grand Slam she won in 2017 there has been 13 winners on the mm. WTA that yeah. is for the Grand Slam and the teenagers have always come uh, to four and um, you can see how also Leila Fernandez also did yeah. losing it wasn't an easy final although the the, the score the line suggest you, you suggest yeah. differently but she did uh, give it a fight and I am hoping that in the next couple of tournaments these ladies will not die down like we have seen Yelena Ostapenko that you mentioned the other time I was going to ask you that Yelena yeah. Ostapenko yeah. went to that day I was like I, I, I think I actually posted on my Facebook that that the new studies legends has arrived. At times, the switch or the, the step up from teenage sensation to a fully adult professional can be very difficult. Why is that? Yeah, because many of them are not ready yet for the scene, for the limelight, for the fame, okay, okay. for everything. And we can My see that Naomi, Naomi Osaka is already, you can already see Naomi Osaka is not like the, the very social girl. Mm, and all of a sudden, mm, once she won, Four grand slams. The limelight. Everything, everything just that just mm. uh, started crashing down, and she's um, reacting to that differently. Like not like the likes of Maria Sharapova when she won her first grand slam as a teenager. She she was made to be a star. She was made to be there. But Naomi Osaka is not exactly that kind of person. Mm. She's different like maybe a girl mm. next door or something. Yeah, different and personality. Yelena Yelena Ostenpeko, the same thing. She also had um, very difficulty. Uh, going a step higher from mm. winning that uh, Grand she's Slam. Been, she's been beset with injuries. Yeah, as well. with injury. We okay. can also say that but as then, well. Uh, we're talking about youngsters becoming sensations. Uh, we can argue that table tennis may be our sport. Um, they don't call it lawn tennis anymore, but for the sake of this uh, discussion, let me say lawn tennis is something that Probably because long Probably I thought it was long tennis because that one is long and it's able to short. You know? oh. But having said that though, do you get the feeling that because of the costs of developing a tennis player, quote and unquote long tennis now, is one sport that 
it's been very difficult and will continue to be very difficult for us to produce from Nigeria now world, uh, global stars. That is, def that is def definitely um, a part of the... Uh, uh, that's the, the, uh, definitely one of, one of the challenges, DG. But, you know, what, what we have discussed... Because if, if you look at the tennis prodigies that we have had, the few that, that have come through, they are either American-based or the average parents. But what mm. I've also discovered is that I, I spoke about community centers earlier. Yeah. In every sport where finance is an issue, when a talent shows up from somewhere whose parents can't afford the basics, mm. the sponsor will show up if, if, the, if the child is talented enough. Yeah. So, yes, while that might be a challenge, but the fact, the fact that we have not created an avenue where people could show what they could do. That was why um, when the Tinumbu, the latest Tinumbu was chairman of the Lagos Sports Council, there was an initiative was doing that, you know, almost every month, it seems to be events for children in sports. Yeah. And he didn't say that, look, if you, if you can catch them young, then we can channel them. And yeah. I think that is what is missing. It is not mm -hmm. about the cost of stuff, because I know people are, there are people that will be willing, either local or international. Yeah. They look at a basketball, for instance. In the past, only rich kids used to come to America to study. Yeah. And then, if, if you look at a basketball team at that time, with ba basketball culture, it, it was it was a big boys game. Mm. You see them all developed and all. But now, because of the programs that we keep seeing every year, people who had no right in quotes to be anywhere in America, they are coming here to study because they were discovered by these programs. That so yeah. for me, I think it's all about ensuring that there's an avenue. Mm. For kids to come and show what they can do at any level at all sports. When we create that avenue, you, you will find gold nuggets and diamonds, diamonds in the rough. They are everywhere. Okay, but it's like, like, everywhere. That, that, that's, that's a good insight. You hear me? We talked about the, we're talking about tennis now. Table tennis, we talked about earlier. You can play practically everywhere. Now, I've always felt like that that gap, that talent gap nobody is talking about where it, it have a dragnet. I've always felt like we need to have a situation where the, the, every child, I know it's a utopian, it's utopian and it appears far-fetched, but this is my view. Every child who lives in any part of the country has access to the basic sporting facilities in that immediate community. Where it will yeah. be a school, it will be a community center, you know, because I think that is the way to go. You can have, there are many, there are some courts now that are uh, multi-sport courts, yeah. multi-purpose. You can play volleyball there, you can play basketball, you can play tennis there, you can play squash or badminton there. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's a way to go because I feel that successfully our governments seem, do not seem to, we have a lot of youth restiveness now. Our governments do not seem to realize what sports can do for the communities and for the country as a whole. What are your thoughts on this? I think the first part where we got it wrong was um, the one we started giving licenses to private schools that don't have sporting facilities, sporting facilities mm. that don't have big enough premises to um, to educate kids. Because, like it or not, sports is should, should be, be part, part of, of education. Curriculum. Yes. So I think that's where we first got it wrong. But then we have an opportunity to remedy it, but we've Failed to consistently fail to remedy the situation, and the opportunities, like you said, building community centers 
across the states, local governments, and, and, and what have you. Now, it's not just enough to build those community centers. Why not? What's the responsibility of the sports commissions? What's mm-hmm. the responsibility of the ministries to work with those talents that are identified in, this, mm-hmm. in these localities? Mm-hmm. It's not just to put them together for the odd youth games yeah. or the odd yeah. national sports mm-hmm. festival. There should be a long-term plan. There should be a long-term plan. You can get together with the private sector and create a proper... Oh, what have I even run into? Uh, all the sports trust funds what are they being used yeah, that, for? That's what, well, the, the, to be fair, sports trust funds only a few states yeah, that have it. But they're not running it properly, but exactly. they have it. Mm. Exactly. No, such trust will be well used to manage and nurture these young lads that are discovered in all these community centers. So once you do that, you can create competition. I think one of the things that we lack, aside the fact that we have such humongous talent, is that we don't play enough competitions. Mm. And that is what stands, that's what we lack when we compare ourselves mm. to the guys outside Africa particularly. Okay. Fatil, before you leave us, um, final question for you on this. Uh, you've seen talent here. You've seen talent there. Um, for table tennis, for quote-unquote long, te- long, long tennis, tennis. like Jerry <laughs> Is there a hope that sometime in future, you know, because you never can tell where the next Imaradukanu is coming from. A Nigerian child will get to these heights we're talking about. Or are the factors militating against that, which is majorly finance and a developmental program? Will I be dreaming or asking for too much if I hope that maybe five, maybe ten years down the line, we can be talking about a Nigerian child where we're talking about Hanagoda or we're talking about Imaradukanu? Is that too far-fetched? Well, I wouldn't say that because I really can't see the future. Mm. But right for now, um, in table tennis, for instance, um, I know that there are a lot of talent coming through, especially mm. in the men's division. Yeah. There is like a deficit in the women's division. There's majorly like a lack of interest when it comes to these okay. ladies right now. So for the men's, we have a couple of uh, players like Mati Taiwo, uh, Samuel Boboye, who actually erupted mm. uh, the scenes in Cameroon. Mm. And we also have uh, some other younger uh, players like the Musa, uh, Mustafa brothers. Mm. I hope they uh, continue to uh, develop those young boys as well. So um, if those b- boys uh, for Samuel Boboye and Mati Taiwo, I know of the record, but I know that this is on podcast, but mm. I heard that they might be leaving Nigeria for a club perhaps next month before okay. the end of the year. They, from there, that's like a step forward. A step and forward, perhaps yeah. they can be the next Aaron Okodri who is playing on tour and the most popular black man mm. on this ITTF tour. And who just moved to number 15. Yes, world, number, four, rec- number 15, a record-breaking sport for an African. Mm. And um, for tennis, it has been really quiet for a long time. Except long for, time. Yeah, for a long time. Um, we haven't even seen a Nigerian, except for those who have like a Nigerian roots. They have roots in Nigeria, maybe their father or grandfather was mm-hmm. is a Nigerian or something. Uh, we haven't seen any of them playing on tour. Mm-hmm. That is even majorly in the ICCF Challengers or even the ATP or WTA. Hopefully, we will see the likes of um, uh, Mary Love Edwards who has had a lot of investments put on her because 
uh, made uh, in her career. Uh, she has been in the IMG facility. She has gone on on academic tours. That was actually the person I was trying to refer Mary to. Love. Yeah. Yeah, Mary That's Love, yeah, Mary Love, Edwards. I was yeah. asking you about before and we came on. Yeah, hopefully in the next couple of years we can see what exactly this lady okay. is meant uh, to achieve. And lastly, uh, that is Oyelomo Kodri, who is the highest-ranked Nigerian, Nigerian tennis player, men or mm. women, mm. on the ITF tour. So. Okay. Um. Hopefully, in the future. One, yeah. one thing we've learned from the discussion um is the fact that, like Buddy said, like all of us have said, um, there's a connection between talent and development plan, and that connection is sponsorship. Whether it's private, whether it's a corporate body, when we identify this talent, there has to be a plan which involves money. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot to of money. Develop them a lot of money, and maybe if the child is lucky, the parents or the immediate family can fund that. So I maybe. Uh, maybe the corporate world can fund that, but the sponsorship is in there. Um, hopefully, we'll get it right. Um, Fatil, I'd like to thank you for joining. It's been a pleasure to have you bring your in- your tennis inside. Did you ever play tennis, by the way? Table tennis or long tennis? Because, George, you play with your mouth. Like, I- they accuse us. <laughs> that we analysts, we play football with our mouth. Sadly, I cannot serve. I took a couple of lessons, but still didn't come out right. Okay. All right. We'd like to thank you for joining us um, on the podcast today. Hopefully, you'll join us again soon. Absolutely. Um, you have my anytime. numbers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, on the question of sponsorship, we move to a huge story that's broken in Nigerian football in the last uh, week. Interestingly, we talked about sponsorship here on the last podcast, creating sponsorship value and all. And I think about the time we were recording the podcast, the news broke that because we were, we were lamenting why the Nigerian scene uh, doesn't seem to attract, uh, particularly the MPFL wasn't attracting sponsorship. The Super Eagles was attracting all the sponsorship. But the news broke that the betting company has signed a long-term sponsorship deal with MPFL. You know, ordinarily, that's good news. But there's a conundrum here. Um, and uh, I feel that the reaction to the doubts that have surfaced has not really addressed the problem. Um, I'm going to sit on the fence and hedge. <laughs> and, I'll t- and I'll tell you why. We have to look at both sides of the argument. Some have said, let me give a background for those of you listening who might not understand. What a team, Remo Stars, by the way, <laughs> but there's hometown club. Yeah, my hometown <laughs> club too. But there's hometown club has just been promoted to the MPFL. Uh, after the recent NNL, controversial NNL playoffs, which <laughs> They got promoted and they end it on the pitch. It must be said. And there's a gentleman linked to that who is, I think, the I don't want to use the word owner. Owner sounds too basic. Yeah. Um, his company, um, or he is the proprietor. That's what we use here yeah. of Remo Stars, and he's also the chief executive, I think, or the chairman of the betting company that's sponsoring the league. So. Obviously, naturally, conflict of interest um, stories have surfaced. On one side of the divide, those against it feel that, hey, you can't have somebody whose club is in the league, now sponsored the league. There will be issues. Those are legitimate concerns. The people on the other side are like, the people who are like, no, we broke out this sponsorship, blah, 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 blah. I feel that their attitude is, not addressing the issue. I'm not saying junk the sponsorship because of this. But I'm saying you need to let people 
have a certain level of comfort because there are examples. Some will argue DSTV sponsors TSR. Yeah. Supersport is owned by DSTV. Supersport is playing, and those things are not cropping up. But we have to be honest. We have a peculiar situation in Nigeria where those issues may likely crop up because of the peculiarity of our situation. Sad to say. So let me go to Bode, who is our expert on the local scene. Bode, what's your take on this? Which side of the argument are you on? Is it a sponsorship we just say, no, we can't take this as conflict of interest? Or is this something we'll weigh the pros and cons and find out whether we can find a balance? There are two sides to this argument, like, like you said. Mm. But interestingly, the side that I have is it's not the side that you think. Okay. Um, when I heard about the, the sponsorship, the first thing that came to my mind was we have been here before. Mm. Okay. Um, I have emotional connections to the monsters. <laughs> but I'm a dad supporter of Shushi Stars of Ibadan. Some years back, when both teams are playing in the NNL, this same thing came up. When this same this same company started sponsoring the NNL, and I said at the start of the season when that happened that there is no way under heaven that the monsters will not be, will not be promoted that year. Somewhere along the line, when the playoffs when, when the playoffs were, were approaching. Insurance of Bini, I, I can't remember the details now, but I think insurance of Bini and one other team, they made some financial inputs into the league. And I said it clearly then that at least now we know three teams that will, that will be promoted, plus one other one. And that was what happened. Now, whether the, whether the sponsorship of the NNL had anything to do with the promotion or not, I can't, um, I, I have no proof. Yeah. But I made prophecies in quotes that came to As you always do. Now, now, when this sponsorship was signed, someone told me that, but they look at the, look at the timing of that announcement. Now, that, that announcement was made after Remo Stars had been promoted. That could there be that if they had not been promoted, that announcement would not have been made. Okay, like there was a precondition. Exactly, like, like there was a precondition. Okay. okay. Now remember, we are talking about about uh, 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 about about conjectures here. Mm, yeah. That mm. if they had made the announcement before the playoffs, what uh, you know? But the thing is that even if the announcement was made before the playoffs, to my you friends, we will say the same. We will say this. We will say the same thing anyway. Yeah. So that. That, that is, 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 is between uh, um, six and a half a dozen. Yeah. You don't know. But I now called, I spoke to someone that is close to the situation, like they say here, uh, um, uh, when I listen to American analysts, someone that is close, close to the situation. <laughs> okay. I said, see, certain names were mentioned. Um, uh, there, was, there was a viral video that uh, um, um, uh, uh, what's okay. his first name? Mukola? Made, who was part of those who broke out the deal, where he where he said someone some far is new thing, the same thing we are saying, and 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 he went in great lengths. Mentioned people that were honorable in quotes, but honorable like like he said, 
that were involved in, 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 in the process. And someone said, you know what? That there's somebody who was mentioned there who will not allow anything on the to happen. That look, he said, but they wait and see how this will play out. That's, that is from the, from the LFC side. Said, but they see how this will play out. There is no way that the integrity of the LFC will be compromised simply because this company is sponsoring the league. So I have two sides of the coin. I am apprehensive that a company that has ties to a team playing in the league is sponsoring, which means that there is a possibility that the integrity has been compromised. And then I have assurances from an insider that there's a guarantee that there's nothing like that happening and that going forward, we will see how true this sponsorship is and how well the league will be run and how this is good for Nigerian football. So I've chosen to wait and see as it, as it were. Okay. But one thing is sure, we are all watching. Okay. Because, look, the fears are justified, but you can't ignore what has been said about the willingness of the LFC to ensure there are things that one does not uh, um, compromise the other. So, we have to wait and see. Okay, buddy. Um, but it's giving us the, the less benefits of the doubt. So let's give the deal the benefits of the doubt. You know, ordinarily, when I see me, I would have felt it wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah. If proper structures have been put in place and um, uh, what, what would I call that? The integrity of the league is assured. Mm. But things have happened that have thrown doubts on that. But it is talking now. That's I'll give point. you. I'll give you an example. But it here, there have been three times on our radio show that has run for twenty years. There have been three times, but they will come at the start of the season. <laughs> I will tell me, Deji, this team will win the league this year, <laughs> or he will tell me, Deji, this team will be relegated this year. And I'm saying at the start That's of the league, season. not that it is twenty Dream. something games and and. That's exactly what happened. So, it comes to a situation where, because of a peculiar situation, people are afraid. Yeah. People are unsure. Some people even tell you there's no way to not affect it. But they have told us that there have been assurances and all that. I feel ordinarily, yes, you can have the doubts, but you shouldn't have to meet with this kind of vehement opposition that some people are putting up. But, as you lay your bed, so we learn it. It's because of our antecedents in the past, Yemi, that are leading to this. But, should we say now, Yemi, that we don't want this money, let the money go, which is mm. something I personally disagree with. Of, of because it is the friends of the league, like this gentleman, like this company, that will put money in the league. Okay, so, whether I like it or not, the league, our football, needs money. And this money can only come from the private sector. Yeah. Whether we like it or not. Um, we've all complained about the overwhelming influence of governments. Mm. in our football, government money. But at the same time, there's a level of responsibility that is saddled, that is saddled with the administrators and the people running our football. There's a saying that says, uh, allegedly, mm. let, me put this, let me really put that out, um, Ajekeleni, Omokulano, Omokulano, yeah. So, look at the entire process that led to the end of the NNL playoffs mm. and the eventual promotion of Remo Stars. 
like Bode alluded to. I but that even if that deal had been announced before, before we would have said, 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 said the same yeah. thing. Well, they got promoted because so, I mean, because you, of you, our we, peculiar, and half a dozen. because of our peculiar situation, our mutual suspicion, which is part and parcel of us, mm. you can't rule that away. But it's an element of PR expected from the guys running our football that they could use to manage the story and allude the fears of you know allude the fears of everybody mm. not a brash type response yeah. you know just trying to push aside just say look we need money we're taking money but if we need money that means we're ready to take money from a drug from from renowned drug dealers because we need <laughs> money in our football you get the conflict of interest exists some will tell you, yeah, uh, the gentleman is not entirely involved with Remo Stars anymore. Um, he doesn't entirely control the betting company. Mm-hmm. But come on now, this is Nigeria. Yes, immediately. Those issues will always crop up. Those issues will always crop up. And immediately the first answer they give is DSTV and Supersport. Mm. But we, we do know that those are countries where, one, there's proper corporate governance. Two, there's a consequence for wrongdoing. In Nigeria, there's no consequence for wrongdoing. Whether we like it or not, there's no consequence for wrongdoing. Now, let's ask ourselves this, this basic question. What happens now, knowing our particular nature of our country, and this individual also has a bit of a track record of, you know, making comments that could bring the game into dispute. What happens when after three matches at home, Remo stars and getting a favorable run of games or a favorable run of the green? What happens if the man says, well, we're bottom of the table by game 10? I'm not saying they will be bottom of the table, but they are bottom of the table by game 10. What stops the guy from saying, look, this arrangement doesn't fit for me. It's not fit for him on the playing side. And of course, he's losing money because he's put money in the league. What stops him from saying, I'm not doing anything? He has a contract. In Nigeria. He, he can't just walk away from the contract. This country. Well, that, 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 that's, 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 uh, that's what it should be. We've had many contracts of this nature that in the end, no consequence. The MPFL TV is one example. Red Strike, uh, Next TV, what happened? Other sponsorship deals that the same LMC have they signed. That one, some people that probably even paid for a year. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let me post it there. But okay, my take on this is that the concerns, the fears are legitimate. And I feel that the organizers of the league, the gentlemen that broke out the deal and all that, what they need to do, honestly, is to sit across the table and allay people's fears and say, at least, like you said, we know your concerns, we appreciate your fears, but we're not talking about even needing money, but can you please give us the benefit of the doubt. doubt and let us run this and see and also be upfront about, okay, this is the figure 
this is what each club will get. This is what the winner will get. Be upfront and above board and try and win everybody's, um, uh, uh, don't say well, allay everybody's doubts. And at least let's see how it plays out for one season. You know, I agree with you. The, the, it, it, uh, they say he that comes to equity, equity must, must come, come with him. Him. And then, and then, that was what I found wrong in the video that Bukola Lopadi released. You don't, you don't come out guns blazing mm. when it is clear that there are grounds for doubt. Yeah. What you do is you are, you are selling something. You keep on selling it. Like, like our people say, the way you say sorry, it matters. You can say sorry with bravado. You can say sorry with a gentle voice. There's male and female stories. Like they say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's male and female sorry. <laughs> so, and, and I think at that point, what he needed to do was not to come out fighting. In fact, I would have loved it if he had not made it personal. Yeah. yeah. I would have yeah. loved it if the, LMC, if the LMC from their end had responded or if they had said nothing. And like you said, look, it should have been better if they had outlined the deal and what it meant for everybody and how much it's involved. And you know the funniest thing they did? Yeah. They, they, they didn't even have to tell us that directly. You could link it to someone, a third party, and say, oh, they said the deal is X, Y, Z. And the, the teams get this and that, that. Look, it's not confirmed, but this is what we think is on the table. But when there's a when there's black, black silence, and I've always, I've, I've always said it and I, and I keep saying it, when, when anything is called the secrecy, mm. just are that there are the mismanagement. You mm. cannot tell me that there's a full guarantee that the money will go where it's supposed to go when you don't know how much it is in the first place. Because they say, when the purpose of something is not known, abuse is inevitable. Yes. When the purpose of the money is not known, of course, it is possible that you can mismanage it. Oh, yes. That's to be corrected. And they can assume me if they like. But the fact is that, the fact that is you have shallowed it in darkness means that Hey, people are going to keep spe- keep speculating. Yeah, and like uh, like let me note given the history of sponsorships, failed or semi failed, as it were, that the LMC have have have, have, have come up with in, in, in the past. Now the onus is on you to show us that this will not go the same way. It's as yeah. simple as that. Okay, all right. Uh, obviously, um, we're not against the sponsorship. We're not saying of it should happen. But what we're saying on this podcast is the fact that the company that broke out the deal and the LMC just come out, you know, understand those fears are legitimate. If legitimate. you say the fears are not legitimate, we're not being honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Understand the fears are legitimate and work towards assaging the fears by being open and upfront. What is the value of this deal? What comes to the clubs? Um, when and when will be the monies be paid? What is it? You no, know, don't hide the contract in any secrecy. Let every club know what is, is there for them and then assure them that there will not be any favoritism because team A or team B and assure them also that that team will not have any or the owner will not have any undue influence. Even maybe when his team, maybe the fans have, have done something wrong or the team is going to be penalized. And you are like, you know, so you have to do things above board that make people comfortable. You ever want to say something before we yeah, go quickly? You know, it's, it's very clear what Bode said that you have to keep selling. Yes. And we know the problem the league has is money. Mm. Three years, 
no champion has been paid. They can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. That for three seasons, none of the champions have been paid their prize money. It is not profitable to play the league. But if you keep selling the fact that at the end of each season, team A will get the hundred millionaire, team B, that in itself is a positive spin yeah. on the story. It will make everybody say, okay, this money, however the conflicts, is mm. probably good for the system. Mm. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't just come with your full chest and say, hey, what are you guys talking about? Mm. Because you know, every, what is not important. Everybody, uh, everybody is a stakeholder. Yes. And you need to talk to everybody. You need to, we appreciate the sponsorship. Like we said here last week, we appreciate sponsorship. Sport cannot survive without sponsorship. sponsorship. It's impossible. They are science army twins. And they, 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 they breathe, they, their breathing depends on each other. So we cannot say, no sponsor, and it's only the friends of the sport that will bring money into the sport. So it's welcome, but because of the peculiar situation with this one, the fears of people, legitimate concerns, need to be addressed and need to be put to rest. And at least on the other side, too, let those who are having their doubts at least give a benefit of the doubt. Let's see how this plays out before we start condemning it and saying no, it shouldn't happen because hey, really, MPFL needs the money. It's yes. as simple as that. All right. Um, we move to our final topic, which has to do with Bode's favorite area, um, basketball. And it is, it's going to be a three pit or is it going to be a no fit? The Tigress, actually, we're recording on today. They are playing today. They are playing their second game today. So we don't know the scores yet, but they started on a good note. They defeated, um, Mozambique, Mozambique 67 50. Although when I saw some of the other scores, in that, <laughs> I saw, I think I saw 131 somewhere. Some of the other scores are, but they are on a three pit, like you call it in basketball. They won in 2017, they won in 2019, this is 2021 in Cameroon. Um, hopefully they will win, but let's ask Buddy that. Buddy, Afro basket women, what are the chances of the Tigress? Right now, I, I put their chances at 40 60. 40 to win? At 46. At 46 uh, no. Yeah, yes. 40 to win, 60. 60 to not to, okay. There's a likely. Ah. Yes, not to win it. I'll scare you. Not good. I, I, I will tell you why. Okay. Um, the fact that they are chasing a chip it means that there's a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. And there's, there will be, be a lot of eyes on them. Mm. And um, so right now, despite the fact that we have not seen the best of them. They are the team to beat. Yeah. And so, because the pressure has increased, the odds are that they are going to make mistakes. The second is that one of their best players is not presently with the team. Today, also, they make it to the Olympics. Um, and so, our scoring threat is only Ezinle, which means that if you can modify Ezinle, which mm. any smart team will do, you have taken away the scoring threat. Which player are you talking about, buddy? That didn't make it. Um, the, the one that plays in France. Uh, what was her name now? She, 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 she also didn't go to the Olympics. Akato. Uh, ah, yes. Okay. Yes, Akato. So that is a major issue, whether we like it or not. The second thing is that the Senegalese girls are frightening. Hmm. And. I know that if there's a team to beat in this tournament, 
that is the thing. And I'm believing that until they meet the Senegalese, actually, look, if you remove the Senegalese, they have this 80 for them to win it. <laughs> it is the Senegalese that makes it so that makes it so. And at any point, if they should meet the Senegalese, that is where we should start praying and fasting. Because <laughs> I think that is where it will end. But we will wait and see. But from where I'm sitting, I think that's the biggest problem. Because I think any coach that knows his audience will know that, look, this is their scoring threat. Either put her in foul trouble or double team her or let her beat us by herself and shut down <laughs> the other people. Of course, and you know what, what, what you say in basketball. One man can't beat five. Yeah. So they either give her the freedom of the man. Let her beat, let, let her beat, let, let, let her beat us by herself. Let's see how far she can go. Let's see if she can play 40 minutes and not get tired. You know. Okay. Or let's shut her down. See if if, if, are, if, if the other members of the team And so for me, that is that is a challenge. Okay, uh, Yemi. Um, to be fair, these girls have done very well um, over the past four or five years. Um, they've been to the Olympics. They've been. To, I think they go to the quarterfinals at the World, world Championship. Championships and all of that. So when you do that, expectations continue to rise. Do you always get the feeling like we saw with Afro baskets men, mm-hmm. and we were realistic here? But he even said um, if they go to the semifinals and all of that and they didn't really get to the quarterfinals and do you get the feeling that Nigerian fans or all of us as Nigerian, let me say Nigerian fans, we have this unrealistic expectation of our teams across board, not only basketball now. We expect that we just need to turn up or we expect that because they say country is country, ah, we should beat those ones. Do you always have that feeling? Because it looks to me like any tournament we go to in any sport, we never seem to have a a realistic expectation. We seem to have these stratospheric hopes that, hey, we should be there to win and all of that. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on the team and the coaching crew. Especially when it's uh, an African-based competition. competition. Mm. We believe that. Oh, well, we, we earned the tag at some point. Giants of Africa and all that, whatnot. So... That in itself was um, the catalyst to which we look at the rest of Africa and feel we tower, you know, above them. But for these ladies, um, there's been a lot of consistency, consistency performances, consistency in achievement, consistency in the team as well. Um, we've, we've mentioned Ivlia Kato, um, there's Aisha Mohammed who's, who, who's retired. More or less, the team has remained the same, unlike the men where you've had to change the roster time and time and time again. But they seem to have a, some level of consistency. And I think on the basis of that, um, it feels more people with a lot more hope and confidence that um, they can go on and do the business. Um, talent-wise, we've never had a problem in Nigeria. So I think that's also another reason why Nigerians are equally always confident that, look, no matter who we are pitted against, especially in Africa, we will do better than them because we have the talent, um, whether homegrown, whether diaspora, whether foreign-based or what have you, we have the talent across board compared mm-hmm. to every other country um, across Africa. So that in itself is why we always feel that we tie above everything. However, we need to also realize that, you know, whilst we are playing, other countries are also stepping up yeah. and making strides. They're also making deliberate efforts to improve and develop the games 
and sports generally in their country. One of the only ones working. In fact, we've even gone to sleep mm. several times. Mm. That is our mm. talent and perseverance that seems to get us through. We need to learn to, you know, temper our expectations. those expectations and, and just be realistic go about and it. believe that look, I, we will do it somehow. I know that not, it's not every time you win. It's not every time <laughs> you're not going to win all the time. Even um, Superman don't win all the time. All right, but the final question on this: uh, I checked the roster. I see that there are eight players. Adara Ilonu, Elizabeth Balogun, Promise Amukara, Ezinwe Kalu, Akpana, Ibekwe, Okonkwo, Chidem, and Macaulay, who are the Olympics, uh, who are also in this. So there's, like Yemi said, there's a bit of continuity, which I, I think should be a little bit of an advantage. But what are your thoughts on the impact of Otis Hukli as a coach of the, the, the Tigers over the past, uh, few years? And what do you, what would be a reasonable performance at this event? Look, for me, I, I think Otisili has done well. Um, he has won a championship and he's, um, he's, he's brought in some, some younger players, which is what you, which is what you want to see. You want to see, some, you want to see some, some new faces in the team. You want to see him expand the scope of, um, of the players that he can call on. And, and he has done that. He has won a championship and he has, he has, he has also expanded this, this scope. We, are, we know what you can do. We have seen what, what you can do. For me, my expectation for them is um, um, as long as they don't lose to any other team apart from Senegal, I'm fine. <laughs> well, as long as it's, it's Senegal because that they lose I, I, to. As long as it's Senegal they lose to. If they are going to lose to, um, don't lose to any other team. Even if it's quarter final, you play Senegal and you lose. I'm okay. You're okay. Even if you play Senegal and you lose. It's so Senegal, Senegal is a stumbling block. To, so, to, uh, as, as long as you lose to send it to Kibbert or Kenya, I'm good. Mm. <laughs> That's okay. where I draw the line. <laughs> okay. All right. We, we, we need to let Nigerian sports fans and some of us in the media know that, honestly, yeah, even if you have their time to have the best team going to the tournament, one or two things work against you. Um, there are times you have the, not the best team to the tournament and things work for you and you win. So, you know, we need to realize the fact that we're not going to win all the time. And we have to be very realistic with our expectations. The Nigerian team lost uh, last night in Nigeria and all that. I've seen a lot of skating criticism. Come on. That's a Nigerian team playing on the continent for the very first time. And people are expecting all kinds of results from them at that level. And, you know, they, they lost to a team that has won African titles before. And people were still... We, it's good. We're a very proud country. Very proud people. We believe a lot in ourselves. But when it comes to sports, it doesn't work easily like that. There are times you have to, you, you deserve to win and you lose. There are times you deserve to lose and you win. It's sport. So on that note, we'd like to thank you for joining us for this podcast, Sports 360. Join us on Sports 360 pod on, um, Instagram. Let me thank Fatil, who joined us earlier for our insights into the sport of tennis, both table and long, like we said. And, um, uh, my co-host, uh, Buddy Ogutui and, Yemi Adesanya for being here. Thank you guys. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.